you preach this morning, <laughs> then turn your eyes upon Jesus. And uh, so I do appreciate that. Now we know the heavenly vision when we're looking forward in the future. But uh, I know we've sang it, I thought we had, but and I, I, I would have never guessed to look for the heavenly vision uh, there. So Colossians chapter 1, we, we dealt with Ephesians. We're going to see Ephesians again. <laughs> Amazing that. But anyway, Colossians chapter 1, this is something, and I started in this direction, but then God quickly turned me in the different the, the, the direction he turned me this morning and um, and of course you know I just try to be sensitive to him and and then seeing you know um, that he was definitely uh, leading and guiding and, and in the way that it went and uh, so I praise praise the Lord for that but like I said I was looking because the next piece of furniture in the in the old, in the tabernacle that uh, was going to look at was the candlestick. And as I began to look at it and study, just like I said, it was just um, just nothing. And God said, nope. And I said, okay, what now, Lord? <laughs> so he said, I want you to go back and look uh, at the scripture that you didn't deal with this morning uh, and, and in, in Colossians and in Ephesians and uh, speak to the church tonight. And so that's what we're going to do. And then, again, it's the same four, the four words that we use this morning. In our outline, per se, uh, the lamb, so I, this morning, I forget what order it was, love was first, right? Yeah, so we did, um, so this morning was love, lamb, load-bearer, and lord, and now we're going to be lamb, love, lord, and load-bearer, all right? So we're going to deal with it that way, and um, uh, thinking about the preeminence, and again, a lot of this did uh, come about after I preached about Focusing our love at uh, at uh, Island Ford last week, and of course, you know when you preach it, you preach it. Uh, you gotta get a preconceived, you know, where you're going, and maybe some examples that you're going to use before you get in the pulpit, and then you preach it, and then after you preached it, then you gotta rehearse it all again, and that's what I've done with Island Ford's message through, you know, driving driving in when things get quiet in the car, just kind of rehearsing. The different things, and of course, a lot on my mind coming back with you know Dad and just not knowing and the way we left him, and of course he's improved and a lot of things like that. Um, but then you know rehearsing again through the week and then praying about uh, this morning, and then the Lord gave us this morning, and then uh, here we are again in this same type of stuff uh, as far as these things go. So, it, heavenly vision, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's just looking at Him. Uh, a, a little bit different way here. Colossians chapter one, Colossians one, and I know <clears throat> that this that one sentence it just goes nuts. Verse number nine is where it starts, and we'll we'll just read the sentence. I know it's a big long sentence, but it uh, it deals with. I mean, I don't even know if we get to yeah, we do. So from nine to eighteen is one sentence. <clears throat> We're going to read this one sentence, <laughs> and and it, and a lot. There's just it. This one sentence is just packed with. I mean, some serious doctrine about the love of Christ. Uh, when you're dealing with, I'm just throwing this out there, and one of these other little tidbits of information. Whenever you're talking with folks and they want to pull out a different version of the Bible, most versions uh, other than the King James, if you'll just have them turn to Colossians chapter one and verse fourteen. I'm just this is a tad bit of tidbit of information. Talking about 
Jesus Christ, because it deals with that, his dear son in verse 13, in whom, it's talking about Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. They will take out through his blood, these other versions. So you can, you know, it's, it's, it's by the blood. There, without the blood, there is no remission of sins. And so they take out the blood there in verse 14 in these other versions. And so you can really prove that. You know that by taking out the blood, you're taking out the means of our salvation. And, and so that's something that you can use when you're talking with folks there. But let's pick up our verse read, reading, verse number 9. For this cause, did I turn that thing on? Okay. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That, again, who is being talked to? Paul is doing the writing here, talking to the church at Colossae. So he is talking to the church. He's addressing the church. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the prayer that Paul had for the church. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. <clears throat> and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all, uh, in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. All right, going back to verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you again for the many blessings you've given us today. And Lord, day by day, Lord, I pray and ask you to God and direct the message tonight. Move through the scriptures uh, to our hearts, through the Spirit of God. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the preeminence. So he is to have the preeminence. I looked it up. I don't think I put it on here. Uh, I don't even think I put it on the other one. Uh, but um, he is to be first and foremost in all these things. And, of course, like it says there, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things were, uh, all, uh, for by him all things uh, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. <clears throat> Everything. And again, in retrospect, in 
the, as I'm driving down the road, am I re rehearsing the love message and focusing that love, which I touched on this morning, getting our focus right on our love for him, there's where kind of at birth in the thought this morning and even now is, is our focus back on who he is and where he should be in our lives. Everything, everything was made by him and for him. And he is, <clears throat> and they said, <clears throat> he's the head of the body of the church, he's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in all things, there it is again, all, you see the word all throughout the scriptures that we just read, all things he might have the preeminence. <clears throat> he's the top. Right, and we just, again, oftentimes have lost our focus. And again, we're going to see, and so in light of those same four words this morning that we dealt with this morning, in our looking at Jesus, of course that was it just turned toward the, the lost, but now to the saved, in looking to Jesus, we need to, refocus and re-put him back into the place where he ought to be in our lives as a child of God. Amen. So again, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We see pretty much the same type of thought here. He wrote to the church of Colossae. He's writing to the church in Ephesus here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. We read this this morning. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus... And love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I didn't deal with that, but that's where we're talking about. That's, and the sinner has to have his eyes enlightened to his sin. But oftentimes he's, to, he's talking to the church at Ephesus here. We, the church, get out of focus. Amen. We out of churches, church get our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Brother Tim, he, a lot of the things he said in his Sunday school hour, and it was providentially that the women were in here. In the fact that the things that he said and the things that I'm saying tonight that God's put upon my heart to say, as far as the scriptures and things go, <clears throat> is the fact that that's where so many times we are. We want to fix it. We want to put our hand on it. We want to control it. We want to, you know, thank you, Lord, for saving me from my sin, but I can take over from now. <laughs> That's not the attitude we should have. And you'll see that in the scriptures that we'll point out here throughout the, the, the rest of this evening. But, but we get f fuzzy Sided, out of focus. And we have to be enlightened. The children of God have to be enlightened, like the church at Ephesus here. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his, in, of, of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, so many times, again... We could go to, to the Romans when I, I made reference to it, then we went a different direction this morning. 
But I did, I was getting ready to turn there and I went sideways. <clears throat> but um, there in Romans 8, I reckon, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We get our eyes on our troubles. We get our eyes on our tribulations, Brother Tim, you know, on those things which so easily beset us. And in doing so, we get our eyes off the preeminent one. And there's where he ought to be, not only for salvation, but in every aspect of our life. And I, and I, when I say that, I'm just, I was sitting there pre-preaching it. And, and I know that three businessmen are in here. Have your own businesses, and I can't remember why I got the book. I got the book. I don't know what I was doing at the time. Uh, oh, what's his face? The uh, financial dude. It's a popular video talk show. Ramsey. Ramsey, if you have listened to Ramsey any, any length of time, he often refers to Larry Burkett. He disagrees with Mr. Burkett on the, the, the part about paying off your bills. He, he says pay off the, Ramsey says pay off the, the largest balance first. I'm sorry, the smallest balance first to create the excitement of paying off things. Pay off the little one, take that money that you're saving, pay off the next one, and so on and so forth. Whereas Mr. Burkett said, pay off the one that has the larger interest first and then do the same thing as far as taking that money and go on. So he refers to Burkett. Burkett's dead, has been dead a long time. But, you know, when I was thinking about every aspect of our lives, then one of the things that, you know, I thought about the three men here that has their own businesses and, I, and just that... Just in just you know in a slide, just thinking, and then that book. I have another book, a book by I have a couple of books by Mr. Burkett. He wrote one called Debt Free Living, which is aligned to Mr. Ramsey's stuff. But he wrote one called Business by the Book, and he in that book speaks to businessmen, and he takes this book. <laughs> And he says, that's how, you, you know, and he just takes the, the principles that are in the Word of God about running a business, and he puts it there in that book form. And I've got it. It's not in here. It's somewhere. <laughs> i got books everywhere, and then i got some more books given to me. So anyway, business by the book. So, and, and again, the thought, just again, that just went by my mind and with that business by the book is preeminent. In every aspect of our life, whether you're a businessman, is your business with him in charge? Is your household men, are we running our household with him as the preeminent one? You know, homeschool, I mean, every little bitty thing that we can think about, he should be at the top priority of it. The preeminent one. Of course, here's where we're at. I mean, as I'm going down through here. So the eyes of our understanding 
your eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. I mean, that's something we got to look forward to. What a blessing. But again, we've got to be enlightened to that. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the, uh, to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. <clears throat> so he's far above, you know, his name. There is no other name above his name. He's the preeminent one. He is above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. There's where he ought to be. And we preach him that way for salvation's sake, but then it seems to me oftentimes we just take over from there. I've learned it. I've had good mentors, and I'm not discounting knowledge, and I'm not discounting academics, and I'm not discounting wisdom of men. The Bible talks about that. Two or three, you know, in the, in the council, you know, of two or three, you know, the, can't, yeah, the scripture's gone. But the wisdom, it's in a council, multitude of counselors. The wisdom, it's in a multitude of counselors. You get into people together, somebody that's been there, done that, got the t-shirt, been down the road, listen to them. And I'm not discounting that. But where is Christ in this? Where is Christ in the decision the decisions of life. Have you asked him about, you say, well, that's just, I don't want to bother God with that. It's just, it's just trivial. Why not? Because if you involve God, if you put him first in each decision that you make, then you don't think that he will steer you in the right direction? Don't we read about that? And this is not over here. Thank you, Jesus. We read about that here in Proverbs chapter 3. <clears throat> Let's see here. Where is that? All right. It's right in, I know it's right here, but it's not there. There we go. Uh, yeah, there it is. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It doesn't stop there. In all thy ways. How much is all? Right. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He's the preeminent one. He's the one we're to look to in all of our ways. Don't lean into your own understanding. You know, we say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and then hopefully that will lead to this, and we have a plan. <laughs> have you involved Jesus in that plan? Have you acknowledged God in that plan? Have you sought him? 
Have you said, Lord, is this your will? Have you said, Lord, is this your way? So we're to look at him as the preeminent one, and then this is just, and we dealt with this this morning. I didn't change, I moved the, moved the position around, and we're not going to labor at this point. But as the lamb, we dealt with it first this morning we, in, the, in the scripture there in John 1, 36 and 37, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. That was pointing to, G, I was pointing to the sinners. Hey, behold the Lamb of God, which, which taketh away the sin of the world earlier in that chapter. But, but I did just highlight this, but here's where I want to labor this point. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. So they become disciples, not of John. They become disciples of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. Are we following him? Or did we just get saved and say, that's all I needed, Lord. I got it from now. And you wonder why it just ain't coming together. Was God in it? Maybe not. <laughs> Have you asked him? Did you ask him before you began? And they followed Jesus. Again, that's done. That's the lamb. Then our love. Different scripture. But in this, in this line of thinking, looking to him as the preeminent one, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. We've got that part. That ye should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure." So are we as child of children of God looking to him in, in that sanctification? Are we saying, Lord, again, you know, we dealt with this prior to the revival service. I lay myself bare before thee, examine me and show me. Try my heart. Try my reins. See if there be any wicked way in me. That's that purifying, having that desire because, again, he's in the right place in your life. But then I went on and was thinking, hey, wait a minute. Wasn't there a church that lost, left their first love? Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, And to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, saith he that hold, holdeth the seven stars in, the right hand, in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for thy, and my name's sake hast labored and hast not fainted. That's all the positive stuff about Ephesus. But he gets to the next verse and he says, but... Nevertheless, he says, I have somewhat against thee. 
because thou hast left thy first love. Amen. Huh. So, a church can leave the first love? A church can not look to him the way that we're supposed to be looking to him? He goes on to say, remember, therefore, now he, he just said this right after about because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. There's that word first again. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord, uh, Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So I did look at a commentary, Mr. Gill. He's a Baptist, by the way. And um, he said of verse number five there, and I looked at it. I thought, well, okay, we can glean from that. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art falling, Mr. Gill says, believers cannot totally and finally fall away from the grace which, thou, which they have received, but they may fall into sin. And from a degree of grace and the exercise of it, as these first and pure churches did, from some degree of their love to God and Christ and one another. Because thou hast left thy first love. And therefore called upon to remember, mind, and observe from what degree of it they were fallen in order to bring them under a conviction and an acknowledgement of their evil and a sense of their present state and to quicken their desires after a restoration of, to their former one, he says, and repent. They're to repent of their coldness and their lukewarmness, of the, remission, or, uh, the remissness of their love and of those evils which brought it upon them. And it says, and to do thy first works, the first works of faith and, and love, with the, like, with the like zeal and fervor, which will show the repentance to be sincere and genuine. So, so they, he attributes, Mr. Gill attributes that to the first love being a love not only to the brethren, but especially and first and foremost to God in Christ. Remember what it was like? I mean, I kind of testified of it this morning, but just the excitement of salvation. <laughs> you were ready to go and tell it. Just the fact that your birds will, and the, when, the, when the knowledge of your sins being forgiven and that you were a child of God and, and just all the excitement of the newness of everlasting life that was in our, in our hearts and our minds at the time, but then we get further down the road. We, like the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, lose our first love. We, like in the example before, quit, have taken him out of the preeminent place in our lives and we replaced him with something else that ought not to be there. <clears throat> and he says, repent. Therein, our scripture there. So, is he the 
Are you following the preeminent one, the lamb? Have we left our first love? Should, do we need to repent and get him back to his rightful place? Then as Lord, this is a tough one. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 24. And I, I, I mentioned this, it seemed like a week or so ago, can't remember where, it's been a whirlwind. But I did read this, how that, the statement that Thomas made was, a, 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 oftentimes we down Thomas because of his unbelief, his lack of faith, doubting Thomas, we know him by. But he makes a statement when he sees Christ here in this, this passage. That is just a real profound statement. Let's read it. Verse number 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. <laughs> I can just see it. He just, in the midst, peace be unto you, to everybody, and then straight just looks at Thomas. Because <laughs> he knew what Thomas had said. I mean, just, we got to deal with some things now that I'm here. Then saith, saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Amen. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet believe. But he made this statement. He made an emphatic uh, declaration here. My Lord and my God. And so again, looking to the Lord being in the preeminent place in our lives, again, we say, oh yes, he's God. and He, he saved me as God. But is he Lord of your life. All aspects of it. Hmm. There is a controversy among some independent Baptists back in the 90s. Yeah, probably the 90s. One of the sword crowd, sword of the Lord crowd, wrote a book about the Lordship of Christ that was quickly refuted by the non-lordship, I mean the non-sword of the Lord crowd. One says that you are saved and then make him the Lord of your life. And the other side of the coin was you have to, like Thomas, declare that he is 
Lord and God or you won't get saved. You are giving him your life. You are saying, Jesus Christ, here I am. We sing it. Take my life and let it be. <laughs> Take my life. You are the Lord of my life. You are the preeminent one. And in looking at this, I looked at the, the definition. There's a bunch of them. One, I like the reason I like Webster's 20, 1828 is because he uses scripture and he deals with it. The first one is a master, a person possessing supreme power and authority, a ruler, a governor. Does Jesus Christ, does God have full supreme authority over your life and every aspect of it? Rewind. Does he have full authority and power? Over our lives. Let me throw me into that lump. Mm. Every aspect of it. A master. A master? I've got control of my own life. I, 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 no. You're saying, here, Lord, here I am. You take control. Proverbs 3, we just read it. Lean not into thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Business, home, pleasure. What? Every aspect. Is he Lord? Is he a master? Does he possess supreme power and authority over it? Is he a ruler, governor over that? In Scripture... The definition says, in Scripture, the supreme being, Jehovah, when Lord in the Old Testament is, is prince in capitals, it is, the tra- is, uh, it is the translation of Jehovah. And Brother Tim was there. When he was reading about Rahab the harlot, if you read that passage again, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah. And so might with more... Uh, propriety he be rendered. The word is applied to Christ. And he gives, you know, Psalm 110, Colossians 3, and to the Holy Spirit, 2 Thessalonians 3. As a title of respect, it is applied to kings, Genesis 42, I'm sorry, Genesis 40, 2 Samuel 19, to princes, nobles, Genesis 42, to Daniel chapter 4, to a husband, Genesis 18 to a prophet, 1 Kings 18, 2 Kings 2 to a respectable person, Genesis 24, Christ is called the Lord of glory, 1 Corinthians 2, and the Lord of lords in Revelation 19. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah. That puts him, I mean, as God. But is he your Lord? Thomas says, my Lord and my God, we accept him as God incarnate. We accept him as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. We accept him as our Savior. But is he our Lord, or did we take control of our lives after we got saved? Woo. Help us now. And then finally, he said, our load bearer. How in the world are you going to do this one? 1 Peter 5, I am going to go back to there, except I'm going to deal it with it a little bit different. 
1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7, we read this morning, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. There's where we dealt, verse, the second verse, there's where we dealt this morning, as our load-bearer, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you, and we can apply that tonight. However, I want us to look at the first part of that. He's the preeminent one. And it's hard because of P-R-I-E-D, D-E, pride, which is the opposite of humility. He says, Peter says, Cast, uh, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. And he that he, that he may. And that word that gives the connotation that he won't until you do. He, that he may. We talked, we read there in, a few weeks back in Psalm 78, how that they limited God. If you do not give yourselves to him that he may exalt you, then he's not gonna, you're not going to be exalted if you don't humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's, and Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He made a, a declaration there in belief because the Lord dealt with his faith there, the next statement, blessed are you that seen and believed, blessed are they, I'm paraphrasing, of them that didn't see and yet believe. But, but there again, do we, are we humbling ourselves, or we again yield, it goes back to everything we've been preaching the last few weeks, yielding ourselves to him. As the preeminent one, have we taken charge, or is he in charge? Are we going to do it ourselves? <laughs> are we going to? Do you want to go up with the Lord? You got to go down. There's more scripture. We're going to deal with that. To go up with the Lord, you first got to go down. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Mark chapter ten. Mark chapter ten. Let me do this. Just so I got it written down here, but that way if I'm there, you're hopefully there too. Mark chapter 10. I get my Bible to turn right. There we go. Matthew, Mark. There we go. Mark chapter 10. And verse number 28. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. 
but many that are first shall be last, and the last first. If you want to go up with God, you got to get in the last of the line. <laughs> you got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He's got to be preeminent. You want to put your way into the front of the line? Look at me. <laughs> I'm God's choice servant. No, 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 no. Amen. Then you're going to be last. But I, I mean, that's some of the scripture that I don't think I've ever heard really, really heard preached the, the previous to that. I heard the first and last preach, but that whole hundredfold. People that left their earthly fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers gain spiritual fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers. What a blessing. And he says, and you leave all this to follow me, then you will receive some of this, I said a hundredfold, in this life and in the world to come. But to do that, you've got to go down. You've got to put yourself down. You've got to humble yourself. We can go a little further. Matthew 18.4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 23.12. Just got some scripture here. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. 2 Corinthians 12, 21, And lest, when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well many which have sinned already. I don't think that's not where I need to go. Let's see here. Verse, James 4, 6, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the, unto the humble. And then James 4, 10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Is he preeminent in your life? In my life, I'm doing a self-examination myself tonight. In all things, in every aspect. Do we get ahead of God and say, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that without asking him if he would like for us to do that. If, if that's his will for us to do that. I like it when the wheels are turning. They're turning in my heart. I'm thinking about things. I'm thinking about where I'm at in my life. Have I took him off of taking him out of the place and put something else there? And if so, am I willing to, like Romans chapter 2 says, I mean Revelation chapter 2, have I left my first love? Have I put something else there? If my, my affections to something else besides God and Christ and the brethren? And if so, am I willing to humble myself and say, let me remove that, Lord, and put you back where you ought to be in my life? Mm. So really the thoughts about you know, I mean, I'm, I appreciate what was done in our revival service. I believe some work was done. But why stop when Brother Heffington left? Why not continue? And, I, and this the way that the Sunday school, both morning and tonight, went, the way that, 
and to where the God had put them and words that God had given them to use in their Sunday school lessons and then how he just lines things up. He's trying to show us something. He's trying. We, I didn't compare notes. I di, we didn't use some. I mean, he dealt with Lord there in that scripture and we dealt with Lord here. He didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know what he was, where he was going to be. The, the women were in here. It's providential that God's lining us up because he wants us to turn our eyes upon him to look full in his wonderful face, to look inward in our hearts, and to see if he is where he ought to be in our lives in every aspect of it. Wednesday night we dealt with faith in our prayer, you know, and in that salvation. But we really kind of got away from the salvation part and really deal with the faith in our prayer. So God, you know, think of all the, what you've heard down at Fifth Sunday, what you heard through the week, maybe word you're listening to on some sermon audios. Oh, that looks good. You randomly, you think it, you randomly hit that message. But somehow, some way, it lines up with everything that we've been hearing. Hmm. Go figure. That's how God works. So again, you know, you're getting tired of hearing it. Mirror in the magnifying glass. Look back at yourself. Examine yourself. I don't know your heart. God, God knows your heart. Your heart's deceitful, it will deceive you. My heart will deceive me, but he can show us our hearts. But we have to be willing to be examined. Go to the dentist, you got a problem. Okay, let me take a look at that. (laughs) You need to open your mouth for me to see. Mm -mm. Well, how am I going to point out the problem how am I going to identify what we need to work on if you're not yielded to my light? Ooh. So come saying, all right, Lord, turn your searchlight on me in my heart. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me if I've left my first love how I can repent and get right with you.